You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex and Herds here for your Murder Mystery World Tour, and we are here in our final week discussing Richard Osman's The Thursday Murder Club. We are discussing all the way to the end of this story, so full spoilers today. <laughs> if you haven't read yourself to the end of the book, now is your time to disappear and get caught up. Please or just stick around and be spoiled and enjoy well, our discussion. I was going to say, there's a lot of spoilers to get through, including spoilers that I never thought we would even have to worry about. Like yeah. the, the way that this story, like... I don't know if meanders is the right word. It's always moving with a very solid sense of purpose, but we go cross-continental yeah. with this story. It's it's crazy. It, uh, it it winds like a river, but it yeah. still ends up in the lake at the bottom of that's, the mountains. I mean, it's true. That's true. It all ends up it all ends up in the cemetery at the end. That's the important thing. Mm. <laughs> there is something kind of beautifully fatalistic about how much this story revolves around the, the one graveyard. Cemetery. Yeah, that was my my first thought when I finished the novel. That. You know, all of the the different murders in the novel, the different motivations and everything, it all seems to end up in that same mm. space of land. And all these characters are motivated by characters that have long passed. And it very much ties in with, you know, the, the themes about how, you know, you're getting old, you're going to have to go to the willows soon, and then you lose all your agency. But characters who are long deceased or have long lost their agency are still affecting the story and still driving the characters who are alive. So yeah. there's a really great, you know, theme, really great message about how even if you can't like physically go to Cyprus and investigate a murder, you could still have an, like a, you know, an influence on events, an influence on well, the people after you pass. I mean, you, you know? say as though Ibrahim and uh and Ron I know, don't I know. Go to Cyprus. I, I was I was making a broader point there, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but you are correct. They do both go to Cyprus specifically to ambush Chris Hudson and his muffin, uh, which is a lovely detail. It's very good. Yeah. But the interesting thing here, let's just quickly recap what happens in this stretch. Because uh, good luck. I think the main kind of cues that are important to keep in mind as we go through this discussion is essentially that Jason Ritchie shows up, gets involved in the investigation alongside his out. dad. It's great. And and helps them out. And that means that we get further into the gang history of Tony Curran, Ian Ventham, Jason Ritchie, Turkish Johnny or Gianni. And, and if you're, Kaz. Oh yep. my goodness. Everybody. There everybody are, there are many, up. many characters in this kind of gangland Demia. crime scene. I'm mm. sure SS Van Dyne would be very disappointed mm-hmm. in them. That It's delivered in a way that I think feels very credible and very well paced out. Yes. So, for example, when we go and find Bobby, is it Tanner? Bobby, Bobby Tanner and he's the florist. Yeah. yeah. And essentially we just have a scene something. where Richard Osman send, spends a good few pages introducing this, you know, small little street. The, the main favorite part is that they go through that whole sub scene that first the florist and then this shop and then this shop and this shop. And they say, you know, as the, as the carriers are talking with this florist, someone else is covering their shop because they're all buddy, buddy. And the line describes you know, Bobby Tanner mm. in his, his new guy as Peter Walker. I think it is yes. as, you know, having kind eyes and seeming like, you know, he's been through some tough times, but now he's just he's just giving back, you know, all the kindness he's ever received to the world. This is a false impression because mm-hmm. this is Bobby Tanner, gunner and like yeah. trader of arms and coke dealer. Like, like your impression of this man is wrong. Everything we've been building up to, throw it out the window. It does the very stereotypical gangland guy gets uh, you know, falls in love with the cover operation for it's his so crime. Good. I love the way they describe it of like, you know, everything was set up so perfectly, but then the, the second that everything fell apart, that we can't do our, we can't do our drug deal anymore, but we have an excellent florist, you know, dealership here mm-hmm. that we can, we can throw together. I love the way that that's, that's established. It's yeah. only in a couple of pages too. Yeah. It's really, really neatly done. And then as we get towards the end of the story, we've reintroduced all of the gang characters. We've brought a whole bunch of people who really, 
have been trying to avoid talking to the police in to talk to the police and somehow they agree to it. We eventually find out what happened to poor Ian Ventham. Yes. And it is a bizarre stretch of chapters because we go through so many different accusations and so many different breakdowns of the history of Cooper's chase and the people involved in it in such a short stretch of time. It's kind of bewildering. The the way it's framed is that we, we go through a series of chapters that in any other novel, I would say, oh, they're doing that thing where the detective goes to each of the suspects and just disqualifies them. Yeah. Like we have a scene with them, we disqualify them. Even if we don't definitively disqualify them, we have. We've had a scene with them where we discovered their motivations and their dealings and discovered that whatever they were trying to hide wasn't that important anyway, whatever. But in this series of chapters, not only are the things that they're hiding incredibly important to them personally, and really lend to these really great like personal stories, particularly with Father Mac, which we'll get into, um, Every one of those chapters is presented by the previous chapter because they're so like disjointed. They're very short chapters. Yeah. Um, the page before it will say, we finally got them. We figured out who it is. I am certain that this is our killer. Mm-hmm. And then it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of undercutting of those previous like, yeah. climaxes, which mm. I, I really enjoyed. And then our final reveal of the killer of Ian Ventham is very- Your boy, yeah. Very gentle, but also tragic. It's very sad. Uh, because it turns out, as you correctly pinned, it was Yay. it was John. It's your boy. And he uh, injected fentanyl that he's been carrying around with him should anyone ever find out and wheel Penny out of the hospital. Yeah. If they found out that Penny, you know, really should be in the willows, he was going to jabber with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what he does. That's what he does when he knows that he's going to be taken away. He can't look after her anymore. He, he you know... Gets, gets her with the fentanyl. And that's that's like how the story ends with these yeah. two old people dying before they can be taken to the willows or to prison respectively. It's it's really quietly done too yeah. with Elizabeth sat by Penny's bedside just saying, I know what he did. I just have to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, it was, I don't know, it, it was kind of a, a, a shocking change of pace mm-hmm. as we slammed up against the end of the book there. Mm-hmm. But I really liked how it tied through all of the different thematics regarding old age and staying with the people you love. We talk about Bernard and him sitting on the bench with his wife where she's buried underneath because he couldn't bear to part with her ashes and actually sent his daughter Sufi uh, to the Himalayas with fake ashes. Yep, yep. In many respects, it's the same thing that so many other characters have done, but because John took it to this extra level and because it, he kind of pulls the rug out from the Thursday Murder Club, uh, it, it it brings a very somber note to the end of what has been a very energetic book. Well, it's it's such a lovely scene. Um, all the characters, of course, that are doing bad things or suspicious things end up we, we find out they do it because of a, a loved one, someone yeah. that they cared about. Bogdan, which we'll, we'll get into, did it because of a friend of his who got killed in a, a seemingly innocuous moment. Um, and John is doing it for Penny. And, uh, you know, everyone, and, and Father Mackey is doing it for his love, who, who died tragically. Um, a, lot of, a lot of suicide in this book, which I was not expecting, I'll be completely honest. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of that going on. Um, but when we, when we actually confront John and we find out what happened, uh, he first starts by spinning us a tale. But uh, the Thursday Murder Club, because they know what he's going through and they like know him well and have done the legwork, they're able to pierce that final facade, which I I love. Yeah, because um, the story he tells is actually a cover for a crime that 
Penny basically committed, yes. where she went and got vigilante justice for a murder yeah. that was the very first thing we heard about in the book without it ever really being told to us yes. that yeah. it was the same incident. Yeah, that's like the final reveal is that Penny is, you know, also a killer. John is kind of carrying this this secret for her. We find out that uh, Penny would, you know, before she became completely inactive, would speak her secrets almost to the open air. Yeah. Um, and John would hear everything. I do like the loop because, as I said, we the first thing we find out about it in the story is the Thursday Murder Club talking about how the boyfriend probably did it in the case of this girl who was, you know, found dead in her apartment and he was holding her and saying that he'd chased after the killer. Yeah. Um, and that ended up being the case that Penny had committed vigilante justice over by killing the boyfriend yes. in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And yep. there's something really interesting to me about the contrast between Penny's vigilante justice and the Thursday Murder Club's vigilante justice when they're both in, engaging in the same practice of that justice, but Penny took it to murder, whereas the Thursday Murder Club is just, you know, skipping the proper procedure yes. in terms of, oh, we, we dug up a body, but we didn't tell the police because that would have been too much of an ordeal. And, you know, look at all the time we've saved you now, Chris. <laughs> well, there's a very interesting distinction in their conclusions where Penny murdered someone uh, and the Thursday Murder Club, uh, they confront the the killer of Ian Ventham and allow allow him to come to his own conclusions about how he should be treated because John clearly still feels guilty and says, you know, I've been expecting you guys to come through that door mm. for a while now. And so they allow him to judge himself, yeah. which is something that few people really get to do. Um, in the case of the other murder, uh, it, it's not entirely confirmed who the killer of Tony Curran is, but it seems pretty yeah. clear through the thematics that it is Bogdan. Bogdan and they Bogdan, decide just not to turn him in. Yeah, Bogdan <laughs> says kind of to the effect, yeah, I did it. Mm. Um, he's doing it he's in the same flippant, veiled right? tones. You know, well, he says, I killed him, but it's also like while they're playing chess casually with yeah. an old man, like- he could just be making a joke. Like, we don't 100% know, but- The tone of the text is much the same as back when he said, no, Tony didn't tell me to kill him. Yeah, but Joyce even says in the final chapter of the novel that, you know, maybe I should turn Bogdan in. It seems like Elizabeth thinks that he did it. But he's also, you know, he's he's fixing stuff up around the retirement home. And I kind of like that. And he put um, he, he put the name Patrick on-, on um, Father Mackey's like his his old beloved's tombstone because of the child she was pregnant with. So maybe we'll we'll wait until he's done, you know, helping us out before we <laughs> turn him in. Yeah. And you get the distinct impression that they have being the judge of, of this case, they've decided that he doesn't deserve to be turned in. I um, did also like the fact that it was Joyce who got the final chapter in this book, mm-hmm. because as I said, it got very heavy and somber towards the oh, end. Oh yeah. But at the same time, I think putting it back to Joyce there at the end keeps that idea of the secrets going on in the story because Joyce doesn't find out the same conclusions that Elizabeth does and no, she just, keeps she it suspects. secret. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it very much plays nicely to alleviate the grim tone of the ending whilst playing into the dynamic of the club, telling an extra story about the characters, characterizing everyone on the final pages of the book. It's a beautiful way to wrap things up that feels very gentle because one of the main complaints that we often come across in murder mystery 
is that the books towards the end they just, just absolutely shoot their pacing in the foot yeah, when they yeah. go to explain what happened. And I did feel that a little bit when we went through the entire story with Father Matthew Mackey. Interesting. Um, it, I, I thought that was fine. I, I thought it was. I thought it was a ride as well I, because it was a nicely personal moment. And it yeah, was a, he he got to tell the story himself, and so as he was kind of dilly dallying back and forth on yeah. how to explain finding his beloved dead with child and then quiet as he says quietly raising the alarm yeah. telling only the people that needed to see the body what was going on like i felt as though he really was he was he's clearly not used to secrets like yeah not you he, he's not a killer he's not our culprit um he's just someone who had a very unfortunate love you know yeah a tragic love i i think the thing that i liked about it is that it very much played into the idea of the confession he never got to make back yes. when he was a member of the church yes. yes before he was vaguely excommunicated but not really but that's that's neither here nor there uh but at the same time it did it did slow down the pace a little bit but it also kind of needed to. Mm-hmm. So there's not mm-hmm. a lot of complaint to make. Yeah, there is also levity. There's, I, I've already forgotten, it's Kate. Karen. There you go, Karen. Uh, her, her father doesn't want to sell the land, but she does. And there's also a bit of intrigue there. Like, well, who's going to buy it? Who's going to sell it? Now that the investor's gone, maybe she could be the killer, but she's never like really a suspect. Yeah, there's um, a lot of those. But I feel like her as a red herring is really just there for the date scene between her and and, and Jason Ritchie. <laughs> like to, there is. To just have this like, ooh, I've realized this isn't actually a date. They're actually trying to interrogate me, but this will be a good first date story if yeah. this ever goes anywhere. Like she she is there to add that extra piece of levity there, and I appreciate that. Um, but as you say, like the real stars of the show are, you know, the 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 Thursday murder club and their ability. Um, this is, you know, Joyce's primary thing, but all of them are there to allow the culprits, allow the characters with secrets to to have a cathartic moment. Like that's really yeah. what this story is all about. Alrighty, well, I suppose that will wrap us for the the story discussion this time around. We'll be back with a bit more of that and the mystery towards the end of this show. You're listening to Death of the Reader here on your Murder Mystery World Tour. This is 2SER 107.3. You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex and Herds here with your Murder Mystery World Tour. We are discussing Richard Osman's The Thursday Murder Club all the way to the end of this story. Herds has been in the hot seat. He's uh, (laughs) had to engage with a couple of new rules Uh that I'm very excited we got to play with. Wherein, Herds, you had to pose two different solutions in each of the two weeks, one of your points, and you did that so well done. I will say, I'm a bit disappointed that I didn't mention. This is in the back of my mind before Mm -hmm. we went, you know, into the booth, into the the hot seat. The confessional. I didn't, I didn't mention the fact that Joyce was a nurse, but that definitely was on my brain um, when we find that Ian Vez we kill with drugs. Probably should mention that, but I did pose a theory. You did. You I'll did. take a point for it. Well done. And you also correctly picked both killers in the story, so I did. you will achieve both your other points. Excellent. I, I appreciate that. I'll be honest. I felt pretty confident with the who and the how. Yeah. Not that the how is much of a question. But I, I do feel like I missed a little bit of the why, just yeah. the, particularly, as you say, the story at the very start of the novel. I, I had somewhere deep in my gut, I knew that, you know, John had, had killed to protect Penny, mm. but highlighting the specifics of that, I kind of struggled with last week. So I'm glad, I'm glad to get the point, but I'm a little bit, a little bit miffed that I didn't quite <laughs> put all that together, I guess. Well, yeah. One of the fun things is obviously towards the modern day, now that we've moved long on from the golden age of crime fiction, the why done it is a lot more popular yeah. and modern authors have taken a very a diverse range of approaches <laughs> into dragging the why done it back towards the the how done it. 
And particularly the interesting examples that I wanted to bring up, we covered the devotion of Suspect X last year on the show, one of our top picks uh, for our review season of 2020. And that did a great job of basically showing you immediately who did it and then still asking you to figure out who did it and how did it (laughs) inexplicably through the rest of the book. It was really well done. And that's what made it fantastic, of course. And the thing I really love about what Richard Osman has done here is that it is a story with a mystery that I think plays into all of the things that make a why done it good sure we feel like we know who the characters are a lot of the time because there's not that many choices and there's not much obfuscation of the truth of the matter it's a lot more about understanding the reasons that went behind it but at the same time it takes so long to allow you the finality of knowledge in who actually did it so you get the best of both worlds in a way that I thought was really well done here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a satisfaction uh, as as the crew, as the Thursday Motor Club goes about their suspects and eliminating them one by one. Mm. Uh, even the characters that don't really need an explanation, but it's still fun to get one. Yeah. And yeah, as you say, this novel really is about understanding the characters. And I feel like, particularly with the club itself, we get a really, really good depiction of why each of the four core members of the team are important. Yeah. Um, and even the the side characters, you know, when we get um, the, the archaeologists and the and the forensic people and that sort of thing. We have all these extra characters, Donna and uh, and Chris, who ends up with with her mother. Oh, that was which- great. <laughs> Yeah, it's just come to my mind. Was one of what the mysteries if you scene. didn't if you didn't get the actual mystery right, if you'd been able to pick that, I'd I'd thrown a bonus point in there on that I'm one. I'm so glad that that's how it, it ended. Was so I funny. was like, how are they going to resolve this in a way that is both satisfying to the romantic within me, yeah. but also not like questionable. There's that you know? there's that moment of dreaded fear where Donna says, "Come over and put on a nice shirt." We go, I'm, Richard Osmond, please don't I'm do so it, glad. don't do it. I, and then the next scene, they just introduce Donna's mother and his yes, beautiful. It's perfect because her whole motivation was to get him alive, fix yeah. him, but not necessarily a romantic attraction. Mm. And I think that looking back on all those scenes and understanding that that's the angle yeah. has really made me appreciate Donna as a character yeah. a lot more. I feel much better about her. And it was also know? for Donna as well as a character having to uh, get rid of her own urgency to replace the bad yes. relationship she just yes. ended. It's with- a very strong message that she doesn't just have to leap into anyone she can find, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's a very good uh, a good ending for her character at the end of this mm. novel. Uh, even though it's not necessarily over. There are sequels. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, there is actually already a preview and a pre-order listing for the follow-up book yeah, in I the series. I didn't read it. I felt that if we're going to cover that on the show or, or talk about it at some point, we might do it in, you know, in one go, but yeah. I like that it's there. The Full Man teaser. Who Died Twice is the title, so we'll have to see and you can I keep an eye out for that. I assume that's going to be a 007 flick. That's what <laughs> it sounds like to me. It does, um, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the thing that I really liked about the core mystery, which I will say was in mm-hmm. Ventham's death in this sure. novel- is that we basically, as I said, don't get any suspects no. the entire time. We no. work through the list, and our list of possible suspects is the person who did it and the Thursday Murder Club. Yes, and it's, it's extremely low. It is so implausible with the thematics of the story that it was going to be anyone directly within the club. No. So you pretty much, if you have yeah, I- any experience, <laughs> could tell, as you did, that it was John, but- the book takes so long to give you that final appraisal. Yeah. It, it is so interesting that, because, I mean, we talked about this last week a little bit, but there are a couple of techniques that, that Rich Dodsman's using to try and obfuscate um, to, to people who aren't familiar with this sort of thing, you yeah. know? They, they give you the the three Catholic characters that are all named, um, and Ron, like, talks about how there are doctors, 
You know, there are doctors in the the group of old people here who mm-hmm. are trying to stop the cemetery from being from being bulldozed. Um, and uh, there's, there's also, you know, there's all sorts of little details, but the characters were there and they get mentioned. There are 30 people on this list of people who could have done it, but we don't actually get the, the full 30 names, which yeah. I think was perhaps a misstep. I completely um, disagree. You disagree? I was actually going to say that one of the best parts of this novel oh, is the fact that every red herring actually means something and if we had just dumped a list of characters there like we already have a lot of names to contend with in this book i put together a a cast list for ben and he says there are so many people on this list why did you write so many yeah i know most of them i mean i would have thought having just a list of like these are the characters is like one page just as like you know this is actually unhelpful information Mm -hmm. you can just ignore it I think would have been would have been interesting. It would have um, been a nice moment of world building, but at the same time, yeah. I think just that- Just like throw some names in as like, these are people that might that's, be involved. That's a lot of effort that doesn't go to much. And also if you're putting something in for a reader that is intentionally useless, mm. unless it is in like a visual medium where you're used to having just things sure, to dress sure. the set. I guess so. I, I don't think it's as useful here because one of the best things, as I said, everything that's a red herring ends up being useful. We get to find out why Jay- Jason was there. We get to find out what happened to all of the gang. We get to find out what pretty much every alternate theory actually led towards. Sure, sure, sure. It is a very complete feeling story. There's no no loose thread that I walk away with and go, well, hang on, Richard. Why (laughs) did I, why did you put that there? It's, it's very clean in that way. Except for the three Catholic characters who do not matter. Uh, (laughs) Apart from them, apart from them, completely tied up and perfect. What, what's, um, what's your yeah, problem with the three Catholic characters? Tell me. Oh, it's fine. Like they're just there to be like, maybe it could be one of these three, but they don't really matter. So it's fine. Yeah. I, I felt that they were more set dressing than anything else. I, I felt that they were very clearly not in the list of potential suspects. I suppose so. Well, they are locked to the gate. So yeah, no, I, I suppose I, I would have liked because there are, there are only like five characters there that could have actually done anything mm. four of which are the Thursday murder club. I would have liked to have had even a couple of characters that were introduced after that who might have been involved, even if they don't get much fleshing out, um, just to make the like who done it a little bit more, a little bit trickier. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure. You're right in that there's there's not a lot of space, um, and it is good that like everything ties up in a little bow by the end. So you know. Yeah, I think. Um, it would have been a very difficult thing to do because one of the core themes of the novel is how switched on the Thursday Murder Club For sure, for sure, for sure. So unless you did the SS Van Dyne maneuver of making your detectives know everything and tell the audience nothing, Mm -hmm. which is painful to read, (laughs) it would have been a pretty tricky thing for Richard Osmond to do. I should say, actually, the the closest they get to what I'm talking about um, is the scene where they where Ron is trying to rate each of the suspects. That was so much fun. I loved that scene. (laughs) Which is the the substitute for what I'm talking about. And I think it's actually done quite well because they make a point that Mm -hmm. he just rates them higher the further they get on and the drunker he gets. Yeah. Um, he's I, like, this person pushed in line in front of me to get food first, so they're a 10. I also, it was such a beautiful moment of characterization for Ibrahim there, just sitting there, kind of slowly yes. getting drunker as well. And he starts off being like, well, Ron, this doesn't really make sense for this, 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 and this reason. And then Ron just says, well, if you're making me a seven, you're a seven as well. He's like, and he goes shot. along with it. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And they make a note of him. Uh, he, he like taps the paper the number of times that he thinks the number should be. Yeah. Or he's like counting up, you know, all the points that might li- all the ways you might get points mm. or whatever 
He says, well, actually, there's an eighth point, Ron. And Ron's like, you ain't bringing, you ain't bringing my son into this, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's an excellent scene for, like, camaraderie between those two characters. Yeah. Um, and particularly for Ibrahim, who I feel like he gets the least characterization out the gate. Yeah. Um, he's intentionally kind of brought in whenever he needs to solve a problem. And we get his characterization from that, being a mathematician and a, and a psychologist. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. And I think the scene for him that stood out the most to me was when he's he's trying to get Ron to open up and he's saying, you know, where where is the place that you find sanctuary? Where do you yeah. like where's your quiet place? And he says, Well, let's sit down on the front patio chat with a friend like you. And Ibrahim nods in agreement, but he thinks those files behind me of all my past cases, that's yeah. like that's where I get my solace from. It's but I won't such- say that a great example of why these completely Im- incompatible characters yeah. get along so well in a in yeah. just beautifully I mean, credible way. They're, they're, they're very clearly paired with each other. Ibrahim and Ron pair with each other as being opposites. Yeah. Uh, and then Joyce and Elizabeth are also paired in a similar way. Chris and Donna are paired. Mm. Like Richard Osman is doing this lovely little tactic where you, you create pairs and then you create squares of characters that will stand opposite each other. Yeah. And that's how you create a believable group of, of friends or of compatriots. I, I did want to say the one thing I felt was very much missing that I would have loved to see in that regard yeah. was the scene of Ron and Ibrahim on the plane to Cyprus. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that that scene is somewhere in Richard Osman's brain, but he couldn't put it on the page because it would, spoil it would have the spoiled the reveal of yeah. them just uh, ambushing Chris Hudson at the airport. Yeah, the airport. It's an awful long way to go for one scene in terms of practicality, <laughs> but well, they got nowhere else to be. Exactly. You know? they got nothing else to do. Exactly. I think the other thing that was very satisfying to me about the mystery in this was Bogdan. And as we said, we don't really get a reveal. It's kind of just off the cuff that he says, oh, yeah, I killed him. But you, it's in veiled sure. tones. And I think to us as the reader, it's meant to be conveying that, yes, he did it. I, um, I would agree with that. But yeah. we don't really ever get the same finality that we do with uh, sure. John's actions. We, do, we don't get the big emotional pour out scene and yeah. then he does and he doesn't kill himself at the end. But <laughs> but we, we get a pretty clear indication that like if anyone's done it, it's Bogdan. And the thing that I thought was excellent about the way that was conveyed through the story was that we spend the entire tail half of this book going through Jason's history with the gang and all the different members and what went on there. And we find out what they all did. We eventually almost work out that none of them could have actually killed Tony yes. themselves. Yes. And that means that when Bogdan says, oh yeah, I did it. It was because my friend was the cab driver. It was the cab driver. was killed in this incident. Mm-hmm. All of this time that we otherwise would have wasted on exploring the gang is immediately resolved- through that action, even though I don't think at any point we engaged Bogdan as an active suspect in the case. I, yeah, I really enjoy personally how Bogdan becomes, in a, in a sense, one of the old folks. Like He becomes put in that same category of characters because much in the same way that the Thursday Murder Club might be overlooked or underestimated, so too was the cab driver on yeah. that fateful night of, of murder where they killed what's his face, but they also killed the cab driver to ensure mm-hmm. no witnesses. And it was a completely unnecessary action. Yeah. You didn't need to kill Kaz. You didn't need to anger Bogdan and lead to the death of Jason and all this other stuff and the yeah. death of Tony Curran. But much in the same way that the old old folks are underestimated, so too was Bogdan, humble friend of a, ca- of a taxi driver, right? Yeah. Like nothing more, nothing less. I thought the other thing that was really clever in that last scene with Bogdan too was- 
the observation that Turkish Gianni actually ran the cab company. Because then we realized that it was the guy's boss that did mm-hmm. him in, yeah. right? The the trust there was completely broken. And we wouldn't have really heard that if not for Bogdan's comment at the end there. So it's a really f- nice final, like, punch in the gut towards yeah. his motivations yep. that um, otherwise just would have completely slipped under the radar. It, it is the revenge of the littlest guy in the story. The littlest guy is Bogdan and his poor, his poor cab driver friend. And they are the one driving this whole thing. You know, I think that's a really that's a really beautiful way of of tying that back around with all the themes and making sure that Bogdan fits, despite being totally unlike any other character in the book. Um, like he 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 fits right at the bottom, but also is like the center of the story, uh, which I think is really cool. Absolutely, he's my favorite. Well, then, Herds, this has <laughs> yeah. been a very impressive novel. I can completely see why this has been doing so well, especially yeah. over in the UK, and I'm so glad we got to cover it on the show. But uh, it's time to move we on, to, Herds. We need to continue, and I need to set you a challenge. We're going to be revisiting a friend of the show. Friend of the show? Yeah, we are. We're revisiting the works of a friend of the show for this. We're going to be tackling another novel by beloved uh, Australian darling uh, Solari Gentil. <gasps> yes. Uh, which is really fantastic. And I'm sure we're going to have her on the show. Chat about her book at some point. It's fantastic. Uh, and we're going to be covering Crossing the Lines. Which yes. is a bit of a, a meta-fictional text about two Two characters who are both authors and seem to be writing each other's lives. And it's going to be up to you to untangle this web of narrative inconsistency and work out what is real, what is false, uh, and who is who is murdering who in this story. I am so excited for this book. Yeah. This is an award-winning novel, won the Ned Kelly Awards here in mm-hmm. Australia the year that it came out. And I cannot wait to get into this. Next week on the show, we will be covering up to a necessary violence. So look forward to that. Look forward to Crossing the Lines by Slurry Gentil, a metafictional text, award-winning, and overall lovely time, I will say myself. Grab yourself a, a nice glass of wine for this one and settle in for the long haul. Thank you so much for joining us for Richard Osmond's The Thursday Murder Club. It has been an absolute pleasure. We will be back next week with Solari Gentil's Crossing the Lines on Death of the Reader, your murder mystery world tour here on 2SER 107.3.